1: Welcome again to another edition of Homeschooling Helps with Andrea Schwartz. My name is Andrea Schwartz, and that's my friend.
0: Hello, Nancy. Well, hello, hello. (laughs) Okay, Okay, Andrea, I'm so excited about this this teaching today. I think it's really, really super important. So I want to jump into it. As you can tell, I'm very eager. Okay. Um, We're going to start by reading the commandment. We're going to do the fifth commandment today. And most people know this as... Honor your father and mother and that's where most people stop but I want to read it so that we know exactly what it says um, in Exodus chapter 20 verse 12 honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you And that's what it says now when you promoted this um, you said it was about authority Uh, You know, how do we apply this? It looks like it's just about kids um, while they are in the home and dependent on their parents. So we need a lot of a lot of education on this one.
1: Okay, that's that's good. And the reason that we're doing these series of the commandments on how they apply in our homes, especially is because we miss the fact if we don't look at what God's word says and the implications, we miss what he's actually telling us. So by means of review, we started this series talking about the two great commandments. And that we could say the first one is that we love God totally in all aspects of our being. Mm -hmm. And then the second commandment was that we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. All right. So those are the two great commandments. And all the law and the prophets can be summed up in those two. Except God didn't stop there. He gave to Moses, and then of course he reiterated with Christ, that these 10 commandments are ways in which for us to approach God and to approach man. So our first four discussions have been about recognizing God as the only true God. The second commandment as the only true person who should be worshipped and if he is not worshipped there are generational repercussions mm-hmm. and if he is worshipped properly according to how he wishes to be worshipped then they're blessings okay so those two as the basis then we talked about how we must not take God's name in vain we should not presume that God will be happy whatever what with whatever we give him that our God is a very specific God who doesn't really want us to be creative in terms of, this is what I think God would like. No, he he wants us to be creative within the context of his commands. And then, of course, the commandment we talked about last week was the work rest commandment, that now we're supposed to do our work and we're called to work, so work isn't a punishment, Work existed before the fall and that we're supposed to work six days and then rest one day out of seven. Right.
0: And that work is not limited to our paying jobs. That's exactly that's important.
1: Okay, so obviously who this commandment was originally delivered to were not just kids. When Moses came down off the mountain, he doesn't say now, children, this is what I want you to know. This was a commandment given to all. So if you're going to say children should honor their parents, and we'll talk a little bit later about how it's different when you're younger and you're older, how you honor them, the implication would be your parents should be worthy of honor. Right. But children, what? Are, never told, children are never told honor your parents who want you to go out, rape, pillage, and steal. And plunder. So what if your parents are not honorable? We'll get there. Okay. We'll we'll get to that. Okay. So remember I said there are implications to all the commandments. Well, first of all, God didn't say honor your prince or your king or your queen. He didn't say honor your pastor or your, your, your minister or your priest. He said honor your father and your mother. And he didn't just say honor your father. And he didn't just say honor your mother. He said to uh-huh. honor both of them. Uh-huh. So this is establishing the family as the center of dominion. Well, wait a minute. Why are you saying that? Well, go back to the commandment just before. How do we take dominion? How do we be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth? By following God's commands, by not okay. taking his name in vain, etc.
0: Okay, wait, 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 wait. I don't think we have discussed what dominion means here lately. Tell us what dominion means, because if we're supposed to be taking dominion, we should know
1: what that means. OK, so first to Adam and then spoken again to Noah after he gets off the ark is the command to. Take the creation and be the administrator, be the vicegerent as the um The the, Sometimes the expression is to supervise and oversee God's creation. So dominion is be fruitful and multiply. That's what dominion is. But it doesn't happen apart from God's requirements because sinful man doesn't take dominion. Sinful man seeks to dominate others. Right. So when we're taking dominion, we are working, we are tending, we are keeping.
0: God's creation under his instruction.
1: Right. And we don't get to make it up as we go along because the sin of Genesis 3, 5, which we refer to as the fall, it was incidental that it was fruit. God had given a command. You can do everything, but this one thing. And then of course the appeal to be God was such, well, if I do this one thing, this serpent who can talk? Just yeah. told me that I'd be like God, mm-hmm. and that sounded pretty good to me. Except the consequences were just what God said. Yeah. So it's it's not that man's call to dominion has gone away. It's it's made more difficult because now sin has entered the picture.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 So let's get back on track uh, about the um, fifth commandment. And the family, this given to the family, and the authority from there.
1: Okay. So, first and foremost, as I said, we see the centrality of the family. God mm-hmm. is addressing parents, and He's addressing them equally. He's not telling the children, well, okay, obey Dad more than you obey Mom. So, the assumption is that that unit of the husband and the wife together, the one fleshness that the Bible talks about is a dominion unit and the children are supposed to not only honor their parents but honor the position of parents mm-hmm. so you ask the question what if parents aren't honorable yeah well god says the position of parents is to be honored that's why you honor your parents not because they're sweet not because they give you birthday parties not because You know, when you get married, they give you a a big wedding or whatever it is. It's because God says so. Because God says so. Why?
0: So the position, we honor the position because God says so. Now, what if, but, you know, like, what if dad's a, you know, um, drunkard, adulterer, murderer in jail and totally not even a, a parent? What do you do with that?
1: Well, first of all, how do you explain it? Well, let's go back to the second commandment, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon their children unto the third and fourth generation of those that hate me. So Mm -hmm. there are societal and generational consequences if we fail to obey God. So what you do with that, God kept his promise that there were going to be negative consequences if such things took place.
0: I see. I see. So we're not just saying, oh, honor this man. We're saying, look, God says there's consequences. This is the result of it. So because we didn't do that in its entirety of obeying God in all these ways, this is what we get. So we have to go back doing it regardless of if our, um, our particular parent is honorable or not.
1: Right. And then and we'll talk a little bit about what it means to be honorable. But remember, a lot of people think, well, this is the first commandment that talks about parents. No, it isn't. The second commandment talks about parents visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children. So we've already heard about fathers in God's commandment um, as he's giving the commandment to Moses to then give to the, the Hebrew people. Mm-hmm. And so I, another way to think about this, if anybody's ever been on jury duty or has been to a court, when the judge comes in the officiating person says all rise. Now, maybe the judge isn't a nice guy. Maybe people don't like his political affiliations, but everybody's supposed to rise because they're honoring the position of the judge in the same way. I don't care how old you are, whether you're an infant or you're 70 years old and you still have a parent that's living. Uh, or, and, and we'll talk about even if they're not living, <laughs> how you still honor them in terms of respecting the family as God's unit of dominion. Okay. I understand. Okay. So here's the deal. When parents fail to live up to their calling as parents with their children, then they're making it very difficult for their children to obey God. And so we're never to hinder the little ones. Jesus said, if you cause a little one to go astray, it'd be better for you to have a millstone, which is a very heavy thing, tied around your neck and thrown into the sea, which means you would sink and die. I don't think too many people want to drown. No, we don't. But let me say this. When you as a parent turn your child over to a status school system that not only will not allow the name of Jesus to be proclaimed and worshipped, but that all subjects are not taught from a biblical perspective, you're telling them, honor these folks who don't honor God. And that's grievous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and it would be as grievous, I think, to say... Uh, to take someone out of the public school system uh, and and not and fail to teach them to honor God, fail to honor God ourselves. Because a lot of times we just think that homeschool is a magic bullet, and we're just going to take, you know, just bring s- academics to the kitchen table, and that is not what God's called us to do. So putting these things back into our framework and to re- to be built in our homes on these kind of foundational principles is is
1: where we have to start. right? Because any time you are not proclaiming and living out the authority of God and his word in your family, in your job, in your neighborhood, where you worship together, In other words, if you don't worship God and establish God's rule as the priority in all of life, in every area of life, then you're giving that to something or someone else, which, of Mm -hmm. course, is a violation of the first two commandments. So when I say that these things build on each other, it's not enough to say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And now see they're honoring their parents. That's better than, I don't want to listen to you and you can't tell me what to do. Everybody will agree, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am is better than that. But it's not sustaining. And it's only it's polite, it's polite
0: you know, and it's a cultural uh, polite thing to do. It's not necessarily connecting that parent to the authority of God and, and his, his delegated authority to the parents. So that's that's something that that I think is really important to connect all these things back to the law of God. Otherwise, it's just it is just polite. It is subjective moralism and the parents can become, you know, a a little tyrant in their home over their children instead of uh, instead of honoring God appropriately.
1: Right. So this commandment is as much a commandment to the parents as it is to the children, because guess what? Everybody comes into the world as somebody's son or daughter. Right. OK, mm-hmm. so when you talk about politeness and you know moralism and things like that, what we call polite and good morality is a carryover from a time where Christianity was the prevalent and prevailing world view. Mm-hmm. Right. So the fact that we have any vestiges of that is a good thing in as much as we would rather people be polite than impolite. But if we're just focusing on the surface rather than the core, right? So I, I don't think it'd be appropriate for a child to be impolite to someone who's older or a parent or even an other brother, or sister, or whatever it is. We're not necessarily saying, well, if it's not deep down in the core of the person, it's better. Not to be polite at all. I don't think anybody would say that. Right. The call is that we are to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And if you turn them over to anyone else, or since most of the people who are listening to this are homeschooling already, you want to make sure that you're not just doing a surface treatment where you're putting the, the wax on the surface, but the wood is rotting. right? Right. You want to get to the core of it. And that's why mothers are vital to create a society where this society by and large honor God, because you see, we get to do it at the kitchen table and we get to see those attitudes and we get to see the will to not listen and submit to God. And that's way more important to deal with right when you see it than diagramming the sentence and being able to tell the difference between the noun, the verb and the adjective
0: right 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 other all that other stuff may just be wind dressing if if the structure in the foundation is in the context isn't there you know right. god's word gives us a foundation and a context and so we don't need to be fussing over over those you know pre- color preferences you know? right
1: one of the things i tell a lot of the families that i mentor is mm-hmm. Do not ever use the phrase because I said so as an operating basis, because if you don't say because God says so, and I'm showing you that this is correct or this is incorrect based on God's word applied in our family, they're going to end up with the conclusion, oh, because you said so, because you have more money than me, because you have more power, you're stronger than me, and because you're taller and bigger than me. So if you don't establish that the operating basis in your home is God's word applied, then by the time they get older and they no longer quote unquote need you and you don't have the physical advantage and they're out making their own money or could make their own money. Then you have somebody who goes into the culture who's decided that he or she has gotten mature enough to now um, decide that I don't have to listen to anyone.
0: Right. It's just a, it's a matter of, you know, um, kicking the dog and the dog bites the cat, you know, it's who's the bigger one in this and in the specific scenario. Another dangerous um, phrase is don't let me see you do that. Cause then it, again, it just, it just means you can
1: do it when mom's not looking. Or how about this one? Don't even think it. Now who can <laughs> enforce that? Right. You can't enforce
0: right. that. Nobody. Nobody. Well, no, nobody but the self-governed person who, under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, understands right. that we're supposed to take our thoughts and make them captive and obedient to Christ. That's the only person that can do that. Mama can't do that.
1: Right. So we can control what our children do while they're in the home, and we can control what they say. I don't know about you, but when I grew up, I had many a time where I had my mouth washed out with soap. People might think that is awful, but you know what? You think about it because it doesn't taste very good. Just like when you get a deserved spanking, it's meant to give you pause and say, okay, do I want to do this again? Mm -hmm. So you Mm -hmm. can control behavior and you can control speech, but you cannot control someone's thoughts. You can inform their thoughts. And that's why God's word needs to be put into a child before you think the child could even understand it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even that idea that we can control their behavior, their actions, their tongue, it's, it's only while they're littler than us, you know, and and that's just temporary. Uh, You know, we really, we really can't do that for very long.
1: What I usually encourage parents to do when they're correcting their child, and I'm talking about minor offenses all the way to major offenses. First of all, if there's danger to life or property, you have to stop whatever is going on. Mm -hmm. And then the child needs to be informed that this has been a violation. And rather than just tell them and when they're little, you have to tell them. But if you've been teaching them God's word, you give them the assignment to say, what is it you did that was a violation of God's word? And as for me in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So I realize you may not buy into this, but these are the rules here. And this is what we're going to do here. What right. you do is, is you know, between you and God. But my God, my role as a, a parent is to help you become self-disciplined, self-controlled. And self governing.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Under the authority of God. So we're not making it up ourselves. We're right. directing them to the objective standard of God's law, His word, and teaching them that, that, it, that God is our source. He's our sovereign. He's our authority. And we are all under that in one way or another, whether we recognize it or not. And that right. this responsibility is delegated duty. And I'm not doing it because it's fun. Right. Because
1: most of the time it's not that much fun. It's
0: not that much fun. No, no, no. It's a lot easier to send them to, to school somewhere else and hire a babysitter or a tutor and not have to deal with them. But
1: it, it's temporarily easier.
0: It is temporarily easier. But they just as right.
1: they get older and they haven't dealt with their tantrums and their willfulness. Then somebody else is going to, whether it mm-hmm. becomes the police force or, um, you know, other other people who, military, whatever. You see, self-governing people, the only people who should hate self-governing people are those who want to dominate them and suppress them. But anybody Mm -hmm. who's eager to serve God wants a self-governing individual. So Mm -hmm. another thing that I suggest parents say when a child is throwing a tantrum or not obeying, because you will not govern yourself, I am forced to govern you. When you can Mm -hmm. govern yourself, then this won't happen any longer. So the penalties won't be there when you're self-governing. And that's the goal. That's the goal of, you know, the Christian life, that we are sanctified unto the Lord and that what we do is not only obey him when somebody is watching to doing the right thing when somebody isn't watching because someone is always watching. Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. Okay, so... um. I have a question okay what's the difference what's the difference but you you promised that you were going to tell us what does it mean to honor you know what does that look like as we get older and what's the difference between and um all of us honoring our parents, whether they're alive or not, and a child obeying their parents so
1: can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. So um, I think the, the obeying your parents is is an obvious one in as much as a parent is responsible for, Okay, you need to eat this. You need to go to bed now. You need to study this. I need you to do your chores. And when a child is practiced in obedience, then long before he is out or she is out of the house, Um, that person is governed so that you don't have to tell them to wash your hands after you've gone to the bathroom. You don't have to say your chores need to be done before you go and do something that you want to go do. So the more you do that and the more they get practiced in obedience, and then it's related to obedience to God by the time they go and start new families is the point at which we should say, this is somebody who now needs to be, looked upon, not as someone who always has to be told what to do, but someone now who stands before God as what we'd say an adult. Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, the Bible relates that to marriage. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, right? So the, the Bible is looking at maturity and marriage as for marriage at a point at which somebody is mature enough to start another family. And so our society gets into, well, I'm 18 years old, therefore you can't tell me what to do, which is a thoroughly humanistic perspective. Mm -hmm. When when the Bible says to honor the family, it's not just talking about mom and dad and the kids, the atomistic family. It's talking about the trustee family, the extended family, the family as an institution.
0: Okay, wait. You just said atomistic family and trustee family. Tell us what you
1: mean by those terms. Okay, when we talk about the nuclear family, the atomistic family, we're thinking about mom, dad, and the kids, and, you know, just this unit. We don't think of the extended family, and then the generations of grandparents and great-grandparents and cousins and second cousins and aunts and uncles. You see, In God's economy, the family should be the strongest of all institutions. We live in a time now where the state says we run everything. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And part of that is because the family has abandoned its dominion call. Mm -hmm. And so instead of taking the responsibility and saying, you know what? No, what we're about is following God's word. That means that part of the way you honor your parents when they're older is that as they cared for you, you cared for them. You don't say, well, the government will take care of them, Social Security, Medicare. No, if you have elderly relatives, you should be the one taking care of them. That's part of honoring them mm-hmm. and recognizing okay. they're still your parents.
0: Mm-hmm. So is that what you're referring to as the trustee family, that extended that extended family um, unit as it continues to, to grow? and but, but, what about uh that's assuming that that they're understanding God's dominion mandate and our responsibility to continue to represent him well as we go into all these areas, so let's talk some more about
1: that okay, well, God's law and the blessings and cursings don't depend on whether we agree with them or follow them or not. they're there, they exist like so, gravity yeah so so. For example, when Social Security was promised to be the way in which, don't worry, we'll take care of the elderly, nobody expected that it was going to go bankrupt because they didn't necessarily think that, you know, people were going to live that long. Well, people are living longer. And now young people are basically paying for people who weren't their mothers and fathers. So imagine if the money that the government takes out of people's income was retained by the family, it wouldn't be difficult to have a house big enough to have mom and dad when they're older live with us or uh, a widow to come and live in your house because she has no place else to go. See, we're so statist oriented that we think the government, the civil government has to do everything. And that's part of how the family has been intentionally destroyed because if you sever familial ties, then where are people going to go? Well, they're going to go with their hand out and say, I'm do this. You know, I put my money in, therefore you need to support me. But it's not a, a family situation. It's a very impersonal bureaucracy.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So um, is trustee family, that's, that is the family that is recognizing their biblical responsibility throughout the generations Um, not just the um, whatever family being identified, however we want to identify family.
1: Right. The, The idea of a trust, you know, when people put together a trust, it's something that will last and will pass things on from generation. There's a great example in scripture for anybody who is familiar with King Ahab and his wife Jezebel. King Ahab wanted a vineyard. He liked the vineyard, and it was right near, I guess, where he lived. But it didn't belong to him. And so he went to Naboth and said, I want your vineyard. And he probably offered him good money for it. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But Naboth said, I can't because it's not mine. It's been given to me from past generations, and it has to belong or stay with my family. Okay, Mm -hmm. So he was acting as a trustee member he was saying, this isn't just mine. So there was family wealth. There was family responsibility. There was family property. Mm
0: -hmm. Well,
1: King Ahab didn't like that. And his wife didn't like that. And so they conjured up some unsubstantiated testimony and he was killed. And then Ahab took his vineyard. Mm Right. So Naboth said, no, no, this belongs to my family. Well, today with inheritance taxes and, and property taxes, What the state is saying is we're the first heir. We're the ones who really own this. So this failure to honor your parents has societal consequences. The, Mm -hmm. The failure to honor the family unit has societal consequences that if we want a reverse of the statism that we see now, we've got to reestablish the family, even though it might take more effort. I mean, if they're already taking your taxes and you still have to be the one who brings mom or dad into your home, so be it. Because the family, the trustee family, is responsible for the health, the education and the welfare of its members. So those of us who homeschooled or are homeschooling, you're already acting as a trustee family. But we've Mm got to go full circles. We've got to say, Health care and the the management of family health and and our elderly comes back to the family, and that's and I, why people say if you don't take care of your own, you're worse than an infidel. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of infidels walking around saying that they love Jesus, but they're not obeying his commandments in this regard. Right, right. You bring
0: up an important point about the um, inheritance and things like that. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be rebuilt. As we come to terms and understanding what God is requiring of us in these areas, because nowadays you know um if if there's if there's anything left of a parent's estate after the um after this after the the taxes are paid on it, then it's split up evenly between the different kids, and nobody really gets enough to really you know, move anything forward. It's just, it's just chopped up. And so that's, that's a compartmentalization that that we're doing in our thinking in so many other areas. So there,
1: and rather than waiting for Jesus to come back and pull us all out of here, which isn't what the Bible says that what we need to be doing, how how are we going to turn the tide on this? right at our kitchen tables, right when we're teaching our children to apply God's word to every area of life. They may not always like what we tell them to do. They may not always agree with us when they're older, but if they know mom and dad are committed to following Jesus Christ, then if by God's grace, they too end up being in the family of God, just other than our biological family, they will understand that Loyalty to God is more important than anything else.
0: Right, right. Another way that we can do, um, we can begin to do that is to honor our elderly parents right now. How do we do that? What, what is honoring our elderly parents look like
1: right now? And let me go one step further. Let's say our parents aren't elderly yet. Let's say they're just older. If your children hear you say, oh, mom drives me crazy, dad drives me crazy, I just, uh," you know, do you think they're not going to get the idea that that's a legitimate attitude to have, that that somehow or other fits into honoring father and mother? So if we're to control our thoughts, our speech, and our actions, then we're really paying attention to the commandment that says, don't take God's name in vain. So whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, you do it to the glory of God, including dealing with an eccentric parent or a parent who, let's say, isn't even a believer, but is still your parent. Doesn't mean that you have to do everything that that parent says. If that parent is an addict, no, you don't have to supply that parent with drugs. But you do have to honor the position that that's the person God chose to have you come into the world.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, very good, Andre. It looks like we're running out of time. Do you have any final thoughts before we close out for today?
1: A couple. Most of them are recommendations. And this is a big topic to, to try mm-hmm. to handle each commandment in a half an hour um, is a challenge. So we're, we're, we're skimming the surface and we're giving an introduction.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: I always recommend Rush Dooney's The Institutes of Biblical Law, Volume 1, which goes into each of the commandments particularly. And then I've written a number of books, one of which is called the biblical trustee family that develops this idea a little bit more. Both of them are available at Calcedon or on Amazon, depending on your preference. And this is the kind of foundation that you need to say, "Okay, how am I going to start from where I am rather than this is just too big a problem? I can't tackle it. God's word when applied brings blessings.
0: He does, he does. So um, if you're not a reader, um, you can get the Rush Dooney um, Institutes of Biblical Law. You can listen to them, right? Don't they have, le- you have lectures at calc.edu?
1: Yep. Every single commandment is listed as an audio album. And so if you're cleaning the bathroom or you're ironing, if you still iron, there's these are things to listen to so that you're putting into your, um, way of life to say, how do I approach this? And I've taught mm-hmm. out of the Institutes of Biblical Law for now almost 20 years. And I can tell you, every time I go back to a particular area, I'm enriched some more. So it's not like it's a one pass thing. It's a continual thing that you will go through.
0: Yeah. Um, I heard um, on uh, the Chalcedon Q&A, The other day, uh, Martin Selbretti was talking about how hiding God's word in your heart is not the same as memorizing scripture. A lot of us would say, honor your father and mother, children, obey your parents. And we memorize that, but it's not the same as hiding it in our heart. To hide it in our heart means that we understand it and can apply it. So those are the things that we want to do, even if it's just in very small ways to begin to apply these things and not just say, oh, oh yeah, I love Jesus. Oh, yeah, I know that Bible verse. Or I can cite the Ten Commandments. Well, so what? Are we actually really doing them the way that God has commanded us to?
1: And the Bible makes that very clear. Faith without works is dead. So if you're not manifesting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and adherence to his word, then your faith is not living. And mm-hmm. we are to encourage a living faith. Yes, we are. Well, okay. we praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Andrea. All right. Till next time when we'll, you know, take the commandment about thou shalt not kill. Very good.
0: Thank you for joining Andrea Schwartz in the Kingdom Driven Family Podcast. Holding up the family and self-government as a true and lasting means of transforming society. Please visit the kingdomdrivenfamily.com and reconstructionistradio.com.